Amen. Well, it's great to be together today. And I think some of the husbands and sons have done, and daughters have done a great job because the singing sounds extra good today. And I think at least half the church is fired up, and I think it's the, the mom half. Uh, so uh, you guys are doing a great job. It is so cool. Uh, I love seeing Beverly up here singing her heart out. And uh, she just fired, fires me up. I want to be like Beverly when I, when I grow up. Uh, but we've been going through a series called Strong in the Grace, and uh, we also have special missions coming up next week, as you've already heard. And so here are the fellas that uh, we, we did our triathlon uh, yesterday. It was kind of a homemade triathlon. We made it up. We swam ourselves. We mopped out our own run and everything, and we, we died together. And uh, Drew did a double swim, and, you know, we, we survived. Amory, did, he biked and ran longer than he ever has in the same, at the same time. Like, he's never done that just separately, but he did it together. And he's even here at church today to tell about it. Um, and so... The whole time we're thinking about, man, we really, we thought we loved the brothers and sisters in the Middle East before, but now we really do as we're suffering to help their cause and help God's cause in the Middle East. It was a great reminder, and it just reminded me of when Mofid and Jesse were here a few months ago, and I know some of you uh, rewatched that sermon on Wednesday, but I could still hear them challenging us not to give money but to be missionaries ourselves. Your purpose in missions is not to just give money. That's the easy part. The hard part is to take on their mission here and make it our mission here. I would hate to just give my money to them and feel like, oh good, I'm paying them to accomplish God's mission. No, I, I want to give my money as I am trying to accomplish God's mission. We're co-workers together. And I believe God has given us opportunities all around. So even this week, don't just think about how can I give, but think about how can I be a missionary too. That's what we, I believe we need that more than they need our money. Now we're going to give and this church is always Steps up in an amazing way. I'm looking forward to an amazing celebration. But what a, what a great victory for us to be missionaries this week too. And come not just to give, but come with that spirit that we are advancing God's kingdom. And in that, in that same vein, uh, we're, we're calling for a day of prayer and fasting this coming Wednesday. So mark it in your calendars to really every time you get hungry to be praying for the Middle East to be praying for money to come in, to be praying for the Middle East. And let me just add to pray for your own mission as a part of that, as we all do that together. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what God's going to do, not just here, but also in Rancho and in Riverside. Uh, This week was an amazing opportunity for one of us here. Paige took her opportunity and Faith came aboard. Uh, it's so amazing. Uh, Faith Pearl Boyd, eight pounds. You can see that born on Thursday. Uh, that was a good, that was what I call a good reason to miss midweek. 
Um, and I love just seeing uh, Donald's fat finger there uh, <laughs> reaching out to the to to her and just knowing that. And he was so excited to tell me a while back that they decided to name her Faith. Obviously, after their faith, that they came to faith and they were married, united in the faith, and Pearl. And after he said her middle name was Pearl, he kind of just looked at me for a while. And I, and I said, That's, that must be the Pearl of Great Price. And he said, exactly. I said, what a great name to come in. What a, you know, not only does she come into a Christian family, but she comes in with an amazing name. And just knowing what God has planned for her, just thinking about Mother's Day, it, it's, it's an extra special uh, gift for the Boyd family. Uh, today, uh, as Danielle said, it, 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 it might be a hard day for some of us. Uh, maybe you've, you've lost your mom or you have a tough relationship. You might be separated by the miles. You know, but a lot of us are celebrating because in this church we know how to do moms. We have some amazing moms in here. You guys are heroes. And I believe that's one of the roles that we are defining for the world of what it means to be a spiritual mom, what it means to raise your kids, what it means to inspire your husband, your family, to lead the way spiritually. Uh, I'm so inspired by, by our moms here. And when I just think about my own mom, my respect for her in the past five years has gone up exponentially and many of you know, she, she watched two of her children pass away in the last five years. And to see that in everything that she's been through, she's not bitter. She really isn't. I'm amazed. And she has turned to God like never before in times of tragedy and difficulty. And it's just amazed me. And it's reminded me that we are not where we are just because of ourselves. You know, I remember way back in the day come, when I was in a bad place in high school, I would come home and see my mom reading her Bible, and it looked like she had been crying, and she would never talk about it. She would never tell me what she was doing, what she was reading, what, you know, and I just knew, man, I, I, I'm not in a good place right now. I mean, mom is, but she was turning to God, you know, I'd see her crying at church, had no idea why. Because I wasn't really into church, but I just saw, man, there's something that I'm missing here that's touching her heart. And uh, it really inspired me later. I realized, wow, I, God blessed those seeds of faith later when I needed to take off myself. And we're going to look at that a little bit today. And I always thought that my dad was the tough one in the family, but really my, the tough one in my family was my mom. And Mike can relate to this. He was a German lady, man, and she didn't take it from anyone. It hit me one day as we were watching football on TV, and she turned to me and she said, that's not a hit. You got you to gotta really sock them. You know, that's kind of her, her vernacular there. And I just remember thinking, man, my mom is tough. And so I got some of that from her as well. Uh, but this... Uh, Today has really been about uh, celebrating my wife, and uh, she, she's an amazing person, as Connor already shared. Her love and joy and dedication have inspired all of us, and especially inspired her kids, her example, and, and really being a safe place. 
where if they don't want to talk to dad, they talk to mom. And I get a little offended by that. But there's a reason that they talk to mom. Because that's who she is. She's inviting in a special way. So I'm not insecure by that. I'm inspired by that. But I don't know what your world would look like without mom. But my world would look like a house with bare walls and kitchen and dishes in the sink. Without mom, our world will look, would be meals of burgers, cereal, crockpot meals, leftovers, and wild game. And some of that sounds pretty good. Without mom, we would all drive Broncos. There would be some attaboys and attagirls, but our house would be way less expressive and way less, encourage, way less encouraging. You know, we'd have way less fanfare in our house. Aren't our moms the biggest fans? I mean, when something goes great, they're there to celebrate and they're telling the world about it. They don't care if you're embarrassed. It's, it's, it's coming out. It would be a world of all of us guys, or at least me, trying to fix all the problems. And there wouldn't be very good listening, at least what it needed to be. And then we'd have to schedule. And that wouldn't go too well without mom. (laughs) Maybe you're good at that. Maybe you like that. Not so much. But in all of the defense of the dads in here, I believe without mom, we would step up if we had to. We would, we would do it. It wouldn't maybe be as great in some of those areas, but I believe that we would step up if we really had to. It wouldn't be nearly as good. You know, in 1907, a woman named Anna Jarvis started Mother's Day. And I didn't know this, but she actually started it by bringing 407 kids and their moms to church. That Mother's Day started here in church. I can imagine them counting all those kids, 407 kids. That's a lot of kids. They must have had a big building. But she inspired people to remember the awesome influence of mothers and even in that way the spiritual influence of mothers. As we're thinking about the Middle East, the Mother's Day in the Middle East started in 1956 by a guy named Mustafa Amin in Egypt. And now it's celebrated in seven countries over there. I won't go through the naming them all, but Lebanon, Libya, and Iraq are some of them. But they do it on March 21st. So even in the Middle East, they celebrate Mother's Day, just not today. They did that a while back. And I remember we saw that video of the women's event. I bet that was Mother's Day. Oh, it was. Okay. See, that was Mother. the women's event that we saw. That was Mother's Day over there. Okay, amen. Okay, well, back to Strong in the Grace here. Uh, Let's say a prayer, and then uh, we'll get started. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for this time to be together. Uh, I pray that in the next few minutes that you move me out of the way, that your word will speak to us, God. I pray that we will connect with you in an amazing way. Through your son, uh, through his relationship with his mom, and his relationship with you. God, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week we started a series on grace, and I heard it. Jake did an amazing job, and I love where he talked about the the benefactor and the agent and the client and how the the agent 
would go out and purchase whatever the gift was and be the giver of the gift. And just thinking about Jesus, and that's what he did. He came down, he bought freedom for us, and he died and he rose again so he could give it to us. What an amazing way to think about God's love. And think about, it helped me to remember that grace is the why behind everything that God does. It's the why behind his love. It's the why behind his favor. It's the why behind his heart. It's the why behind his blessings. And it helped me in a a great way to remember God. That his love and grace are undeserved, unmerited, and unfathomable. When I, it led me to one of my favorite scriptures on grace in Ephesians 1. You don't have to turn there, but it says that God sees us as holy and blameless. And then he goes on, not only are they holy and blameless, but it's according to his pleasure and will. That it actually makes God happy that we can be forgiven. It makes him smile that you're blameless in his sight. To connect that we somehow make God happy by his love for us and our relationship with him. Now, today was supposed to be grace and forgiveness. But as I started going through the sermon on forgiveness, it was getting kind of heavy. You know, if you think about forgiveness and you think about all the different levels of forgiveness and you think about all the resolution talks that you might have to have after a sermon like that. And I just said, you know what? This is not really the sermon for today. (laughs) So we're going to add that to the end of the list. But today we're going to hear grace from the manger to the throne. Grace from the manger to the throne. We're going to look at Jesus and Mary as I prayed. And we're going to walk through their lives. And there's really no points involved. So if you want a certain number of points, and just I'm sorry, I apologize to those of you who want points. But we're going to tell a story and we're going to watch Jesus and Mary's relationship develop along the way, okay? Somebody fancied up my presentation. That was pretty cool. Okay. There we are. Uh, turn over to Luke chapter 1. And we'll start in the beginning. It says, the angel Gabriel went to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow! What an amazing encounter. You can imagine Mary as she heard that. He told her not to be afraid, but he said that she has found favor with God. That's the word that we came across last week, Charisse. God's grace or favor that God had given her his favor. And you think about all the ways that she experienced his favor just between the time here to the time Jesus was born. That he was, she was accepted by her husband. That she wasn't stoned and she wasn't thrown to the side, but she experienced a marriage 
to a spiritual man. She was told amazing things about her son like we just heard. She was led by Jerusalem to a manger and she was protected. She was given gifts by wise men and told that her son would would be called the Son of God. That's a lot of favor and a lot of grace. Mary's objective was clear. To love God, to be an example, and teach Jesus everything she knew about God. I mean, that's a high calling to be a, a spiritual mom. But she had an even higher calling that she had to really live up to. But of all the 13-year-old women in Israel, she was chosen because of her heart. Because God saw something in her. And I'm sure it was exciting and even scary. That she knew even from the beginning that my son is going to be worshipped. He's going to be called the Son of God. I don't know how people get to worshiping Mary because she knew in the beginning that she was going to be worshiping Jesus. But she was also a regular mom. And Jesus was a regular baby and so much more. Her first gift of grace was Jesus himself. Turn over to Luke chapter 2. This is where they take Jesus after eight days. They take him into the temple to dedicate him like all Jewish parents did at that time. The first child was given. The first son was had to be atoned for before God. It ties into the whole Passover story and everything else. It says, Simeon took him and his... So a prophet comes up to them while they're doing this. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, now you may dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled about what was said about him. That Jesus was an answer to this man's prayers. That Jesus was equal to salvation, not only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles, and was the glory of Israel to all nations. He was hope. You know, at this time, there was so much hope for his life. You know, when you have your first baby born and your your second baby born too, or your third baby or whatever, there's so much hope at eight days old. You think, man, what could they be? They're going to do amazing things. The whole world is in front of them. We're going to just teach them everything we know. I know that God's going to do something amazing. God has made each child, each life, and has the same hope for each one of us. The same feelings that Mary felt and the same feelings that many of you felt with your eight-day-old coming to this world. It says that the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Just, I mean, I knew this was going to be special, but this is just over the top, God. 
I mean, not only is it amazing to have a healthy boy and go through this whole tradition that's been going on for thousands of years, but you just take it up to a whole nother level. I wonder what that means. I wonder what he'll become. Her first child dreams for the future. She's received grace from God. Not only a healthy son, not only dedicating him to the Lord, but a special blessing as well. And even talk that he was the son of God. What grace she was shown. A few verses down in Luke 2.48. You guys still with me? Hopefully you're thinking about mom, you're thinking about your kids, but most you're thinking about Jesus and his life growing up and how he, they were connected. It says when his parents, this is uh, when he was 12, uh, 12 years old. So fast forward a bit later. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. They left the Passover and their whole family and their whole tribe and all their animals left and yet Jesus stayed behind. And they were shocked because he was the the responsible one. He was the one that was helping them with all the kids and they didn't realize it until a day later that he wasn't with them. And I don't know if you've ever lost your son or your daughter if you're a parent. Especially when you lose the responsible one. There's some people you lose and you, you go, okay, well, uh, I wonder what they're doing. They're, they're probably doing something that they shouldn't be doing. But she started panicking. She started worrying. She started freaking out, wondering what happened. Maybe you've been there. It says when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and man. Imagine her panic and she finally is relieved and she finds Jesus and he says that he's got to be in his father's house and he's there talking with the elders and answering questions. And not in the moment, but on their way back, she was remembering, wow, he's coming to his own faith. God is leading him along his own path. This is what we were taught. This is what they were talking about. Isn't that the dream of every parent to see your kid not just have your faith, but have their faith? Have something that they're going to stand up for, something that they're going to make decisions to follow God above you. She didn't know what was happening. And yet she treasured these things in her heart. She was, he was taking his faith to another level. And she was proud of her son. What a grace from God. The blessing of your child coming to faith. Making their own decisions. Asking their own questions. 
You know, faith just doesn't fall on top of us. Just because you have a Bible doesn't mean you have faith. I was in Trader Joe's the other day getting things for, for Mother's Day. Actually, it was yesterday. Uh, Try to make it seem like I was really planned, but it was yesterday. And I talked to the lady at the register and I asked her if she goes, if she's a spiritual, if she thinks about spiritual things. And she just looked at me with a blank stare. It wasn't upset. It wasn't, it was just blank. For about 10 seconds, I was like, wow, this is kind of weird. And then after 10 seconds, she says, well, I just do that on my own. And, you know, I, I can never come up with just the perfect answer in the time, so I, didn't, I don't even know what I said. But as I was walking out to my car, I was thinking, you know, how sad is that? It's the equivalent of somebody throwing a Bible at you and saying, okay, here, you figure it out. It, it, it never works that way. It's not that easy. You know, we need someone to teach us. We need someone to help us out. We need someone to answer our questions. In a lot of ways, that's our parents, that's our moms, that's our dads, that's our friends. But to see a blank stare, and I was just thinking, wow, it doesn't seem like it's working. Just figuring it out on your own. And it made me value what we have and what we have to give. Because we get to help people know God. Right now we're going to have uh, Jacob Serrano come up. And I love what Jesus was growing in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. And uh, after hanging out with Jacob here recently, I, I wanted him just to share just how he's been, what he, things he's been learning as he's been off at college. And I know we got to be a part of his life and hear him preach a couple times, but I just wanted him to share a little bit about the grace that God's given him as he's gone off to school. So come on up here, man. All right. Well, as Scott said, I'm Jacob. Um, I get to do that really cool thing now where I say I'm part of uh, UC Riverside Campus Ministry. All right. But yeah, real quick, just to start off, jump into things. Um, I'll go back to high school for me. Uh, I don't really try to look back on high school. That was a really um, hard time for me. And it was very rough. I was the only student there that considered himself a man of God or someone who tried to pursue God or live a life that Jesus did. Um, I really had no guidance, no growth, no clue what I was really doing. Um, I did the basic thing you know, that Scott told me as I went through my studies of, you know, uh, reaching out to others and trying to get others to come out or little things such as doing my quiet times in the morning, but it really never felt like I had that deep connection with God up until I got out of college, so, or high school, sorry. Um, When I left high school, things really changed. For me, uh, I told Adam when he got here, it's different for everyone. For me, it was like a really... It was like one of the best days of my life, getting that diploma. And um, I heard, you know, I heard a lot of stories of you're going to wish you went back to high school and stuff like that. But I think for me, it was more of like, no, now I can finally grow and do something instead of having to be here where everyone does this. But now I can go do 
what I want to do and, you know, strive for success. So getting to college, UC Riverside, uh, I know I knew nobody. Um, it took a while for me to kind of get connected because I was still in that kid mindset of like, oh, like, Dad, you call up Sam or you, you know, get me connected <laughs> in there. And, um, you know, those were the times that I hung out with Scott and he emphasized how important it was to go about this now on my own faith, not on my parents' faith. You know, now that I'm not going to be there, or I'm not going to be with them every second of the day like I have been my whole life. And so, you know, you really hear how when you get out of high school, how life really hits you. And I think I really went through that with um, getting to college and just seeing how different the world is and how definitely how tempting it can be to you know, want to go after those certain desires or kind of just have fun because, you know, I'm so young. But after all that, I got connected. Um, I developed many friendships with different other brothers, sisters, a part of the ministry. Um, I've been on a number of encouragement dates, which which was something that I didn't really do in the teen ministry, just because, I don't know, I'm weird like that. But um, I just, maybe it was a pride thing, but I just, yeah... Going on those things, you know, it's really awesome to see, uh, of course, you have, I have friendships with the brothers, and, you know, we can have guy talk, but even talking to some of the sisters in the ministry, it's really encouraging to see how much they can help me, and, you know, I, I'm telling myself, you know, I'm a guy, like, you know, just that bad mentality that I have, like, well, how can you help me, you know, so... Um, it's kind of one of those things. Um, I've been a part of different Bible studies, um, reaching out to strangers, sharing faith on our campus. That's been something that's really been challenging for me. I've been a part of at least four to five different Bible studies, and I mainly just sit there and listen, you know, and kind of take notes from the older guys. Kind of like, you know, Scott said, I'm kind of building my knowledge here on God and how to go about these things in life because I know that when I leave college you don't just stop reaching out to people right so you got to keep going um, I've been to a dance I went to a dance during winter with a sister and that was really awesome you know just how I had no relationship with her but then after you know the dance it was kind of like we we're best friends you know so that's just something that's different from the world um, I finally went to my own retreat on my own. I know for me in teen camp and stuff like that, um, I was already clowning with Monique. You know, those things, I didn't really enjoy going to those things. And I kind of only went and attended because mom and dad signed me up. And so <laughs> when I heard about a campus retreat, I was like, same thing. I kind of dealt with my demons of like, no, nah, I don't want to go to that. I don't know anyone at my school, or even if there's other schools, you know, that makes it even worse. And so <laughs> I I decided to go anyways, and that too was one of, you know, just like life-changing experiences. And so it's really helped me. Um, during my spring break, this uh, past winter quarter, I went on a mission trip with the campus at UCR to Tucson, Arizona. And it was three days long. We mainly, we grinded. Um, that's all I remember. We grinded, we grinded and we ate a lot. And um, 
first day we got there, it was kind of like, you know, set, getting settled. We shared on faith, our faith on campus. And um, the next morning, though, I remember I'm, like, sleeping like a baby because I was tired. And, you know, it's like 7.30 a.m., and the brothers are waking us all up. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> And, you know, they're like, we got to get out there. And so for two, the last two days, we shared from 8 a.m. in the morning to about 5 p.m. at night just walking around in circles, Amen. Um, getting either encouraged or discouraged. And, <laughs> and, and I know for me, that definitely was challenging. So um, I've witnessed many baptisms since then. I've witnessed um, a sister that, or now a sister, she went on a trip with us and um, she got really inspired and, you know, she just got baptized a few weeks ago and um, simple things like that, Hang, hanging out with the guys at the household, going to the gym, differently, or different from high school, mainly, is now I'm surrounded by nothing but disciples, and that's something that I'm really grateful for, because like I told myself leaving high school, I won't always be with my parents, and if I'm going to do this on my own, then I need to build my own faith, and so I'm super thankful for the whole campus at UCR for keeping me squared away. And overall, I'm just super grateful to now be my own man of God instead of relying on my family. So thank you, guys. Thank you, Jacob. That was probably worth it right there. To see someone coming to faith little by little, wherever you're at, God wants to keep you growing and keep you inspired and push you to grow in a great way. Um, turn over to John chapter 2, and I'm going to kind of hit the highlights from the, a couple things here. This is where Jesus turned the water to wine. A lot of you are familiar with the story that he... They were there at the party and they ran out of wine and mom asked him to do something. And just like a lot of times people, they may come to you and say, hey, mom wants you to do something. And what do you do? You do it, right? Jesus is like, oh, oh mom, come on. I wasn't really going to do this. And, and, but, but for you, I'll do it. Right? It just seemed like. And then, you know, it concludes with, with Mary saying, to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. So there was kind of a reversal in roles where Jesus spent his life doing what Mary said to do, and now she was starting to do what he said to do, and she was calling others. So it wasn't focused on her anymore. She was pointing people to him. And so she was changing, they were changing their roles little by little, but it just seemed like they're on the same page. Like she knows that he can do it and then he accepts and then she just knows, just do whatever he says. I don't know what he, he might do something crazy, but just do it. <laughs> and it's, you just get that sense that, man, they are dialed in spiritually. What a blessing. That he could restore dignity to that reception but what a day for Mary. Man, we were just, what an amazing miracle. We shared in this together. Where she felt like, hey, if it wasn't for me, this wouldn't have happened. 
And that was the one time when it was actually true. She was the one encouraging him. But she also learned that Jesus is greater than ceremonial things. And she learned that Jesus, whatever he does, is the very best. There's nothing greater than him. In Mark chapter 3, this is where, you're going to have to go back and read these. But this is where Jesus is, they're teaching and they're they're preaching all day and they don't eat and his family hears about it and they say, Jesus, you've lost your mind. So Mary sends word to Jesus to say, hey, Jesus, you lost your mind. Stop whatever you're doing. You're getting too carried away. And then they, Jesus doesn't stop. And then they come to where Jesus is and they send another messenger in and say, hey, Jesus, you know, come on out here. We, we need to talk. And Jesus looks around and you're familiar with this story, too. And he says, who are my mother and my brothers? Wait a second, your mother and your brothers are outside. He said, no, who are they? And he looked around the circle and said, here's my mother and brothers. This time, grace didn't feel too good. Where not only was Jesus his own man, now Jesus is doing his own thing and Mary's not with the program. They were united before, but they're not now. But in so many ways, can you blame her? She's hearing all the rumors that people want to kill him. She's hearing the elders conspire. And she's really having a Peter moment. No, Jesus, this can't happen to you. And Jesus is wise. He doesn't say, get behind me, Satan, to his mom. (laughs) But in a sense, it's the same type of thing. Mary, I know you love me, but you're on the wrong page. My true family is right here. The spiritual is greater than the physical. That was the grace that she got in form of a challenge, that living your purpose for God is more important than your physical family. That if you don't grab on to your spiritual purpose, then you failed. Either as a mother or as a father. Because that's the only purpose that's going to matter. And I, you can't blame her for being on the wrong page. And there's plenty of times when we're on the wrong page. God says go this way and we're like, oh, I don't think so. I want to go that way. And he has to call us back. And this was one of those calling back moments. We're getting close to the end of the story. I know I'm going a little long today. I apologize to the mothers. <laughs> but we're getting the best part. This is where Jesus is on the cross. And before it's over, he calls Mary to him. He says, woman, here is your son. Son, here is your mother. Now their roles had totally switched. 
where she wasn't taking care of him anymore, he was taking care of her. And that happens. Right? Many of you have already made that switch where you're taking care of your parents. Where you're looking out for their needs. Since Jesus' father passed, he was the one taking out, looking out for mom. And here it was at the very end. He doesn't forget her. He prioritizes her even at the very end. He's thinking about her. That's a special moment. I believe that's why it's included. That she's learning that the blessing, not only financially that she's going to receive from John, but the blessing of the kingdom of the church. That spiritually we take care of each other. That if you can't be there, someone in here is going to take care of your family. Wow. What a grace. Now she's got more grandkids. John's grandkids are her grandkids. You know, she's got more family. You know, we heard about our dear brother Luis Mendez, a hero in San Diego, that passed away. What an example he was. He was always so out of himself and so encouraging and so positive. What an example for his family and for all the churches in Mexico that he was connected to. That they'll always remember that. What an example that Jesus is to his mom. As he's dying on the cross, she's learning to deny herself, to think about others, to finish strong like Jesus And as we take our communion together, this last part I never thought about before. In Acts 1, it says they were all together, constantly in prayer, women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. There's no record in the Bible that Mary actually saw Jesus rise up to heaven. There's no record that Jesus appeared to her. But as I was going through this, I said, you know, he had to appear to her. There's no way that he would appear to all these other people and not appear to her. That's my thought. But imagine to have the three days of agony and then from then on you have sorrow mixed with extreme joy because your son's alive. Whether you saw him go up there heaven or you just heard about him going up there, you know for a fact that he's okay. It brings you, I bet it brought her back to the very beginning when Gabriel said, your son will be called the son of the Most High. She might think to herself, we've been through many things. I can't wait to see him again. Consider how her life, her faith, her convictions, her worship, and her purpose changed when she saw the risen Christ. 
Consider our lives with Christ. Our relationship, our stories that we have. Today we get to dedicate ourselves again to Him. Our Lord, our Savior, and our friend. But every week as she took communion, she dedicated her life to her Lord, her Savior, and her Son. What a special time each week for Mary. I'm sure that she remembered her Lord and her Savior, but I think that she really remembered her son. Grateful that he did all the things and they had all the memories that they had and committing herself to seeing him again. I pray today that you, as you take communion, that you remember your mom and you remember Jesus and his connection with his father. And that we'll be just as motivated to see him again someday. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to be together. We thank you for the relationship that you reveal through your word with Jesus and his mom. Thank you for the the days that they walked. Thank you for the faith that you built in him and continued to, as he continued to take it to where you wanted it to be. To become the, the, the savior of the world, to become salvation, to become the light for the Gentiles, to become the the, the glory of Israel. God, I pray that as we remember his body and his blood, that we can rethink our relationship with him. That we can think of the times that we've connected. The times that we've been in sync and the times that we've been out of sync. The times when we thought one thing and you thought another. God, I pray that we can recommit ourselves to you and remember your body and your blood. It's in his name we pray. Amen.